Welcome. You are listening to the Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm Meryl Arnett, mama, meditator, and head of mindfulness for Shoreline Meditation App. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a 20-minute guided meditation. If these meditations support you and your practice, please consider donating to the show to support its continued growth, new offerings, and its ever-expanding team. You can find the link in today's show notes or simply visit merylarnett.com and click on podcast. All right, y'all, let's practice. Welcome. Welcome to Monday night. Welcome to this extra special class. I'm really excited to do this with you guys. And I want to give you just a little bit of background about like how this class came about and what my hopes are for what we're doing tonight. And so I know I don't have to tell y'all that it's been one hell of an 18 months. And I have noticed, especially maybe over the last six, eight months, although probably that's not too true, it's probably been years that I've been noticing this, that the level of divisiveness feels so overwhelming and so jarring. Like even when I hear the beginnings of a discussion around vaccination versus no vaccination, mask, no mask, anything political, any, I mean, it's like the moment those discussions start, I feel such a tremendous sense of despair or hopelessness or just overwhelm by the amount of pain and in unsurmountable odds that it feels like when I think about how will we ever repair this? How will we ever come back together? Because I know I'm not the only one. I turn on the news. I hear a decision that some politician has made or some statement that somebody has made. And either immediately I go, good job. I feel so good about that. I'm so glad. Or more likely I am outraged and like, I can't believe what a terrible decision this is, how unsupportive this is for humanity in general. Like I get all on a tizzy based on my own snap judgments and beliefs, truly and utterly. And I'm willing to guess that many of us do this. And amidst this sort of despair and turmoil and struggle, I have also noticed the places where I start to feel little tiny glimmers of hope, little, little moments that lift me back up. And some of them, there are many, but some that I'm going to call out tonight are, as you've heard me talk about before, the podcast that Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama did together. Total hope there. Total hope for me. Another one, um, which has nothing to do with politics whatsoever, Subway Book Review. I don't know if any of you guys follow that. It's stories. It's beautiful. Every time I like read what somebody else is reading and why, I feel a sense of upliftment. Uh, most recently, I am reading You Are Your Best Thing by Tarana Burke and Brene Brown. Again, stories. And none of these things are related. None of them are necessarily cheerful or uplifting or even meant to be uniting. 
But there is something in the sharing of stories, like real life stories, that provides, at least in my opinion, a sense of connection, a remembering that we do indeed belong to one another, that we belong together. And it occurred to me that this podcast, this class, can serve this same function in some way. Because our meditation practice, if it is only for ourselves, if it is only for introspection and there is no reflection of that outward into the world, our practice is no good. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. Our practice, our inner awareness is meant to be reflected. It is meant to show up in the world and in relationship with others. And so I thought that we should bring some storytelling into the class. And so I'm introducing tonight a series that I'm, I think I'm going to call Meditation in Real Life. And it's not going to be every time. It's just sporadic, maybe once a month or so. But I want to start to share some stories of what meditation looks like in real lives, in, in your room or your bedroom or your closet or your bathroom or wherever it is you meditate. What does it look like? How do you practice? What feels good? What feels hard? What have you learned? What are you reflecting? And so with that, I invited a longtime student and friend, Dr. Ashante Reese, to be the first person to share her practice with us. So I'm just going to read a, like a snippet, a sentence of her incredible bio. And most of y'all know her from class, but also, and also, Ashante is a writer, a teacher, and an anthropologist. She's currently an assistant professor in the African and African Diaspora Studies Department at the University of Texas at Austin. She holds a PhD in anthropology, specializing in race, gender, and social justice. And she completed her 200-hour yoga teacher training with Octavia Rahim and myself at Sacred Chill a couple years ago. And so, Ashante, I'm going to open it up to you. And you are welcome to start anywhere that you feel called to start. I was thinking maybe we would talk about what first drew you to your practice, what called you to meditation to begin with. Start where you want to start. That's a great question. And for podcast listeners, I was having like a a really geeky moment in the chat of our community. It's like, Meryl's reading my bio. Um, <laughs> I like, love your bio. <laughs> Meryl's a, a great friend and also, as you all know, a really great teacher. And so um, my practice has grown quite a bit over the last five years. With practice, I couldn't believe it's been five years, but practicing with you and Sacred Chill community initially. Um, but I came to meditation out of a, a transition from organized religion and B being a generally stressed out person in terms of when I stay in my head. So I think I had dabbled in meditation for quite a bit, but when I started graduate school in 2015 is when I really, no, sorry, not 2015, 2009, I finished in 2015, I started a, a more consistent practice, which at that time, I kind of thought of as kind of a morning glory, I would wake up really early, sit on this windowsill, med meditate, sometimes I would journal, and I was mostly doing guided meditations at the time, because 
I am a Capricorn and I like instructions. I like for people to tell me what to do a lot of the times and then I will follow them. And so um, I started in that way. And sometimes I would journal right after meditation. But um, a few years after that, I had a roommate and we would start doing it together in the mornings. We wouldn't practice together, but we had this agreement that the first hour of the day would be like a sacred hour. And we wouldn't talk and we wouldn't turn on TV and we wouldn't turn on noise. And that's how I started my days for a very long time. Mm. And so how has that practice morphed over the five years? Yeah. So when I first started meditating, I was very obsessed with the posture of meditation. Like I wanted to get it right. I wanted to sit right. <laughs> I wanted to like look like I was doing it right. And I see a people, a few people's ned, uh, heads nodding. Yes, I am. I wanted to do it right, um, which for me translates into I wanted to do it perfectly. But I also have like immobility in my hips. So sitting cross-legged is not a thing that I can do for a long time um, and actually not something that I do regularly. So what was interesting about it was I wanted to do this practice. I wanted to do it right, read perfectly. And I felt like I didn't have the body that could sit in the way that I was supposed to be sitting to do this practice that was turning out to be a really important practice for me. So trying to have a different relationship to sitting was kind of the first transition in my um, practice. So I tried a few different things, sitting up against the wall, straight legged. Sometimes I would lie down. But initially what became more comfortable, I read Bliss. And one of the things that I, I really liked about that about that book was how he talks about the posture doesn't matter. And actually the amount of time doesn't matter. Just kind of let yourself fall into a posture and see how long you sit there. Now, I don't abide by that anymore, but it gave me permission to try different postures. So um, for a year or so, I would just go downstairs, sit on my couch with my feet grounded on the ground. And I would sit in the same corner of the couch every time and I would meditate there. Now my practice looks quite different. I mostly meditate in the morning. So I'm a morning meditator. That feels the best to me. So I wake up every morning. I give myself 10 minutes to actually wake up and then I meditate. And I usually meditate in my bed, laying flat on my back with my hand on my heart, one hand on my heart, one hand on my belly. And I give myself that 10 minutes to wake up because I am also, um, it feels like daydreaming, but I know it's not daydreaming, but it's kind of that you're in between sleep and awake state which is why I like meditating first thing in the morning. But that's a challenge if you're going to meditate laying down. So I give myself about 10 minutes um, to wiggle a little bit. And um, I meditate for 10 to 15 minutes every morning. Then I get up and then I go about the rest of my day. And do you meditate with guidance now or do you meditate in silence? What do you do now? I mostly meditate in silence. I like the sounds of everyday life. Like I like hearing the birds. I like knowing the changes in the seasons, I can tell them by the sounds that are outside. If I'm feeling like I'm on the struggle bus, which happens to be a lot of times in the busiest points of the semester, I will choose guided meditations. And I've used Insight Timer for years at this point. And more recently, I started using the Shine app. So if I feel like I need a little bit of a boost, I will. I, it gives me something to focus on. If it's music or focusing on someone else's words, it draws me out of that um, making the lists and feeling frazzled or feeling like there's not going to be enough time in the day. You know, you said something that I want to talk about for a minute, because I think it's such a good gift for people to hear is that you are meditating in that space 
where it kind of feels like daydreaming. And I, a lot of times I hear from students about like, there's a struggle around that because that feels like it's not meditating when in fact it is indeed meditating. And for me, the differentiator is, am I able to watch my daydreams unfold and be aware of them? Or am I lost inside a daydream? For me, that's the differentiator. And Ashante, I'm just curious about your experience with that since you choose to meditate in that space. Yeah, sometimes I'm lost. Um, And I I know the feeling of feeling lost. Like it almost feels like I need a net to pull me back out of it, actually. Like I, I feel a moment where I pull myself back out of it to be back in the observer mode. I can, I, I don't know how to describe it other than that. But what I like about it is for me, it feels like an intuition building space. So things will come up during that time that don't necessarily make sense to me. And rather than trying to make sense of them, I just kind of roll with it. And there have been times where things come up in that space and then they come back up again later in like my very lucid times of the day. And I'm like, oh, that was a very real thing that I was supposed to take away from meditation this morning. So I think the thing that keeps me actually not like drifting, drifting back into sleep or staying in the kind of lost state too long really are my hands, like feeling the weight of my hands on my heart and on my belly. I almost always meditate that way, even if I'm sitting up, keeps me grounded in a sense in the present. Yeah, I think, you know, the other thing on a practical note, in case other people are interested in meditating, mostly lying down, I also pull the covers off of me to, as a, that's part of the ritual of me meditating in bed. Because then like I sleep with my entire body covered. So when I take the, the covers off, it's almost like reminding myself that I'm not supposed to be asleep while I'm while I'm meditating. Oh, I love that. That's such a good offering. So last question, and then we should meditate. How does your practice reflect itself off the cushion or off the bed out in the world? Oh, yes. Um so, I mean, I, I think a few people were here a couple months ago when I had shared that in the practice, um, what came up for me is that this kind of what now feels like a mantra, I belong fully to myself. Um, at the time, it was I belong fully to myself in the universe. And I've been mostly practicing with the I belong to myself part. And it really stuck out to me. And like I said, I've been using it as a as a mantra. But it's also been this question that we'll work with when we practice today, which what does that look like out in the real world? And so the first place that I've practiced with it is in my calendar. So if I belong fully to myself, what does that mean for my relationship to time and how I plan my time and who I want to spend my time with um, is the first place that I've started. But, you know, and maybe this is a longer conversation for another another time. But the other thing I've been thinking about around this mantra is for me, I had this aha moment that. To belong fully to myself is not that I don't belong elsewhere or that I don't belong to other people or other spaces, but it does for me mean that belonging fully to myself is the basis for which I can have interdependent relationships with other people. And if I do not consider myself to be worthy enough to belong even to me, then that means that I will not consider myself worthy enough to belong in these other spaces that I'm trying to be a part of. So that's what I've been really working with a lot. Like I'm also reading that book, You Are Your Best Thing, which has really been um, a hard read, but I really appreciate it. 
mostly because of how the emotional resonance of shame is so deep in that book, right? It, it leaps off the pages. But also what leaps off the pages for me is that in each of these essays, and I've read almost all of them now, there is a point in which the people, the person who's writing comes to clarity about they themselves being the only person or the only entity that can shift anything. And it changes their relationship to themselves and to other people. And I, I don't know what that means in all areas of life, but I've, it's been fun to play with this. It's almost like um, it's a curious posture toward myself, I think. What does it mean to belong to myself? I love that. And well, first of all, that like made me tear up. So I'm just like raining those tears back in for a second. And I, I don't have, I don't totally have my words or my thoughts around it yet. But there seems to be something in reading or hearing someone else's difficult story that somehow like awakens you to your own hurts or your own pains. And it's not to say everything should be about yourself because that's not really the point. But I, to me, that's the thread of connection in some way is, you know, sometimes I can be so lost in my own, this is right, this is wrong, this is what I believe, you are hurting other people, I'm not hurting other people, beliefs, that when I am able to just hear or see or experience or read somebody else's struggle, it it is the connection. It's the reminder that we're all feeling the same thing, even if we don't feel it the same way or express it the same way or believe the same things, right? And that, to me, that's that's the point of belonging a little bit. I think you're right. I think there's also this thing around, um, from an, from an opera, I'll offer something from an opposite perspective too, which is that sometimes it's hard for people to empathize if they don't understand what someone else is feeling or what they're experiencing. And I think what reading this book and, and especially relating to people's stories that may be difficult and I may not understand is an invitation to offer empathy, even if you don't understand, like there are limits to understanding. There are limits to understanding being the basis of connection. And I think that there's something about this idea of offering grace and compassion to other people, which I know I often find is very easy or easier than offering it to myself, that when I connect with other people and I do not understand, it reminds me that that is exactly the thing that I want to have connection, even if someone does not understand what I'm experiencing or has never felt the same way. So podcast listeners, everybody in the class, we're all here like nodding our heads vigorously. I'm looking at the camera and all these heads are moving. Yes. Um, Ashante, <laughs> will you lead us in a meditation, please? I will. I'm just going to offer, we're going to work with this idea of I belong to myself. And I'm just going to offer a few words from um, Their Eyes Were Watching God, which is one of my favorite novels by Zora Neale Hurston. It's a very interesting novel. I won't tell the ending, but at the at the very end, though, uh, Janie, the main character, is having this conversation with her friend Phoebe, and there's been all these wild tales about Janie and her her love that's floating around this very early 20th century community. And Janie tells Phoebe two things. She says, "You have to go there to know there, and there are two things everyone's got to know for themselves." 
They've got to know God and they've got to find out about living fully for themselves. And so I think the invitation for our practice today is to, to, to consider if we belong to ourselves, how that allows us to live more fully in the world and in the communities and in our own bodies. So uh, if you're not already seated or lying down, if you prefer, however it is, take your comfortable seat. And before we even get deep into this meditation, just Breathe your shoulders up towards your ears and shrug them back down with a sigh. And I'm going to invite you to do this two more times to inhale, breathe your shoulders up towards your ears and just feel that tension of your shoulders being so close to your ears and pause and exhale them down with a sigh. One more time, breathe your shoulders up towards your ears, pause. And on the exhale, give thanks to your shoulders for all the weight they've carried for the day. And allow them to just rest in the spirit of well done shoulders. You don't have to carry me right now. Just allow yourself to breathe regularly in your seat grounded in the chair, the couch, the floor. And just feel into this question, can you sink deeper if you trust that whatever you're sitting on actually can hold you? Just relax deeper into the posture. Allow your thighs to relax. It may sound weird, but sometimes I have to remind my knees to relax. So all those places in your body that are just holding tension right now. You don't have to change anything about your breathing, but just bring your awareness to your spine. And give it a little thanks metaphorically, but also literally our spines hold so much for us through the day. And metaphorically, perhaps your spine is literally the lifeline that allows you to keep playing with this idea of, of belonging to yourself. Some literal part of yourself. And with your attention on your spine, just imagine like yourself with the lowercase s can kind of hopscotch up and down each vertebrae of your spine. So you're breathing up, you're hopscotching, breathing in, you're hopscotching up your spine. And you're breathing out, perhaps you just playfully slide down. And as you imagine that for a few times, without grasping for it, just be curious about your relationship to play, yourself's relationship to play.
Inhale, skip or hopscotch up the spine. And exhale, wee, all the way down. Couple more inhales and exhales at your own pace there. What is your self's relationship to play? And on your next inhale, just imagine you could skip off the spine and land flat on your face. And allow the muscles in your face to relax. Your eyelids. Don't force them closed if they don't want to. Your jaw muscles. your tongue. Maybe in the playful spirit, you also just want to stick out your tongue. What is your relationship to play right now? And start to feel into your breath here. And really just feel for what it already is. Is it deep? Is it shallow? Is it even? Hot, cold. And for the rest of this meditation, which will, will be silent for about 10 minutes. I want you to call to mind your workplace or the arena of work that you do. Here, really feeling around for some of the details, what it sounds like and feels like, what you sound like and feel like in relation to that place of space. And for the next nine minutes, the only question to not grasp for, but just allow to settle into your spirit and into that imagined space is what does it mean or what would it look or feel like to belong fully to myself here? What does it look and feel like to belong fully to myself right here in this workplace or this imagined space?
for the last few moments. We've got about five more minutes here. I want to try to integrate the two parts of this practice, the play and this belonging to yourself in the workplace. And while you're still imagining the space or place where you do the bulk of your day's labor, bring back that inhaling, playful hopscotch or skipping up the spine and exhale the playful slide. And hear the question to just let sink into your spirit is can you belong fully to yourself with levity and play? Even in a space that might feel like constraint. Just before we come out of this meditation space, just go back to Janie's words to her friend here. Two things that everyone's got to do for themselves. They've got to know and go to God, and they've got to find out about living for themselves. 
The one thing I didn't say about Janie for those who have not read this book is that before she gets to this point, she lives an incredibly challenging life in some ways. But what anchors her in the life, even though it's challenging, is that she's living it on her own terms. The choices that she's making are fully a reflection of her choosing to belong to herself before belonging to anyone or anything else. Take a deep breath in. Exhale with a little sigh. Before we come back to this shared space, perhaps just pluck one little thing that you want to take with you from this practice. Like you're picking a flower. And stick that flower anywhere. You can put your hands there. It can be in your mind's eye, on your body where you want to be reminded every day that you belong to yourself. Often I put things in my heart for some people, it might be the gut or the belly or your forehead. May that little flower that you have just plucked grow may have been nourished every day by your choices. And may you approach yourself and belonging to yourself from a sense of curiosity. Namaste, y'all. Namaste, Shate. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mindful Minute. If you're enjoying these episodes, please consider leaving me a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps others to find this show. To learn more about my live classes, virtual meditation retreats, my meditation app Shoreline, or to make a donation to the show, please visit MerylArnett.com. Thanks again. I'll see you next week.